first Advent reading, which our theme today is hope. Can you hear me? Not super in line. Okay. Isaiah 40, 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Isaiah 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen. So today, as you can kind of see, we'll let that graphic will ride through our time together. We're going to be focusing on the hope of the coming of Christ. Next week, Brother Ray Lewis will be speaking on the peace and then in two weeks, Paul Finney's going to be speaking on joy. And then on Christmas Eve, we're going to look at the love of Christ and how that reminds us of his coming and of God's promises. If you guys would turn to the book of John, chapter 21. This may seem like a strange passage for a Christmas message, but I hope that it will connect. Uh, please pray for your preacher this morning. If you can't already tell, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm like completely wiped out. But that doesn't mean God can't do great things. So you listen to the Lord as he speaks. <coughs> Excuse me. Today I want to speak on new beginnings. New beginnings. Look at John chapter 21 and verse 17. The scripture says, He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. So today we're going to look a little bit at this story of Peter. Again, I just want to do a simple reminder of what Advent is, because I know it's a little bit confusing sometimes for people to see Advent in a Baptist church. I know I never celebrated Advent as a child. My Fruit Baptist Church at home, those people wouldn't know anything about it, and I didn't either until I really was uh, past my college years. But what I've learned and what I like about Advent, it is it literally means coming. It's a reminder of the coming of the Lord. Now, a lot of us this time of year is busy, amen? Have you seen the church schedule? Let alone whatever else you got going on in your life. We've got a lot going on, right? And it's just like, oh boy, it can wear you out. And you can miss the meaning of Christmas and the whole season, can't you? Probably some of you, if you're like the preacher, there's been a year or two where you did that. Like you woke up the day after Christmas and you're like, I didn't even really get to focus on Jesus, okay? So the point of Advent is a way to help us kind of stretch the time and really seek the Lord in this time. And so we have the candles. Each candle just represents a theme, hope, peace, love, and joy. Which one is joy? Which candle? What color? The pink one, right? Okay. Quiz. This morning you didn't know you are getting quizzes already. Okay. 
So they're reminders each week of those themes. Now, we don't do a corporate daily Advent study, but you are welcome to do that. I think somebody on Messenger suggested even reading through the book of Luke, right, every day, which would be an awesome thing if you want to do that. I myself am using the Bible app, and there's tons of Advent studies there. And so each day I get a short devotional, a prayer item, an action item, and a passage that fits with the coming of Christ. So I'd really encourage you in this crazy busy time and different people are going to be sick and you're going to be trying to figure out shopping and your work's going to be nuts. And then who knows what the Lord may lay on top of that, that you would step aside and spend some time reminding yourself of these two truths. The Lord Jesus came and the Lord Jesus is coming again. That's the whole meaning of what we're talking about. Okay, there's nothing mystical there's nothing supernatural about having candles lit they are a reminder though of the some of the most important themes in the scripture and that is hope and peace and joy and love and i hope that this season you'll slow down just a little bit even when you come to church maybe your whole week is crazy but you walk in these doors let's settle let's slow down let's ask the lord to invade our space and our heart and let's really seek to hear from him so today, our first candle, of course, is hope. I'm going to start with an illustration from Rick Mylander, and you can read along as well. Just a strong reminder not to miss Christmas. He says, have we reduced the stable scene to some cutesy little scenario that has no meaning left in it all? Have we lost the sense of awe that there, in that stable, God became a man. What can be the point of Christmas if it is here today and gone tomorrow? For all our celebrations this time of year, why do so many fail to recognize Christmas's Lord? The fact remains that our world never comes as close to being in contact with its greatest hope as it does at Christmas. Right? What an open door to talk about Jesus. Look for opportunities. But Paul's so good to give us devotion on Wednesday nights and to increase our burden for the lost. Look for opportunities to talk about the meaning of Christmas during this season. Today, we're going to look at Peter and Peter's story. And I think you guys know, what do you know about Peter? Rick's not even here today. Peter was a fisherman. I don't think he used a rod and reel, probably. More of a net guy. Probably braid, though. Again, Rick would only get that joke. <laughs> He was a, a fisherman. That's what he grew up. That's what he knew, okay? And really, when we find Jesus and Peter connecting, where's one of the first places they show up together? He's fishing, right? He's out on a boat, and they're having a bad day. Can you believe it? A fisherman having a bad day. And Jesus says what to him? Throw your net on the other side, right? And the next thing you know, they have more fish. They're sinking the boats. There's so many fish. And Peter begins to really dawn on him that Jesus is somebody special. He is something different. And so Peter, when Jesus gives him the call to follow me, that's how the call begins. It's going to be really important here in a little bit. Follow me. Peter leaves his fishing nets and follows Jesus. Now think about that for a second. If Jesus told you today, leave your life and follow me, what does that look like for you? 
That looks like for me writing a letter to Noblesville schools and saying, here's my two weeks notice, but I'm leaving today. <laughs> oh, by the way, here's your laptop and here's your iPad. And I guess I probably won't be getting any more checks either, right? And what if Jesus says, oh, by the way, Travis, we're going to go, and who knows where we go. I may be losing some of my culture, some of my favorite restaurants, some of my food, some of my family and my friends. I'm letting them go because the greatest thing for me to do in this moment is to follow Jesus. That's what Peter did. So a lot of times, do we give Peter a hard time? Right? He's always sticking his foot in his mouth. He's the guy that we usually give a hard time because he gets out of the boat, and what's he do? He sinks. Now, you people would obviously not have sank if you got out of the boat, right? I'm sure the other disciples were saying that, right? If I'd have done that, Peter, I wouldn't have sank. And Peter's probably like, you didn't get out of the boat. And we do give him such a hard time. But in so many ways, in his impetuousness, he was, his heart was hungry and thirsty for God, was it, right? He did. He forsook everything to know Jesus. And he made some pretty strong commitments, didn't he, right? Jesus, remember when we, Jesus, we washed feet here in our church, right? And what happened when Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to wash your feet? You're not washing my feet, Lord. I'm the servant. You're the king. And Jesus says, well, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. He's like, well, give me a whole bath. <laughs> Again, he wanted everything of the Lord, didn't he, right? And then Jesus even will say to Peter at one point, he'll say, get thee behind me, Satan. Like, oh, can you imagine being called that by the Lord? And then Peter cries out and he says, Lord, I will never forsake you. I would die before I forsake you, right? We show up in the garden, you've got Peter, James, and John, and they're all praying. And then all of a sudden, what's happened? I mean, it's been a long, long week, right? And they start doing what probably a lot of you do, what I do way too much and that is fall asleep while I'm praying. And they do that. And Jesus says, couldn't you wait with me one hour? Your spirit is so willing, Peter, but your flesh is weak. Remember where Peter had even been, he had been on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord, right? He had been with him. It's all those occasions. But we come to Jesus in the garden, and they've come to get him. Judas shows up. What does Peter do right away? Does he run away right away? Not Peter. He pulls out his sword. He's ready to fight. This is my king. You sang it today. That's what Peter thought. This is my king. Nobody's taking him. I'm going to take out. And he takes off the ear of Malchus, right? And of course, then Jesus has this moment where Peter is just like, he doesn't know what to do. Jesus fixes Malchus's ear, which is amazing. But then Jesus is like, this is what needs to happen. And Peter's like, I don't know what to do with that. I know how to fight. I know how to be strong. I know how to walk on the water. I know how to yell and scream, but I don't know what it means to be with you in this situation. I don't know how to do that. And so where does Peter go? Where do all the disciples go? They abandon him, right? That's one thing to abandon the Lord, to leave him, but Peter goes further than that, doesn't he? He denies him. As a matter of fact, Jesus even said, didn't he? When the cock crows, you will have denied the Lord. Well, let's look briefly here in Luke chapter 22. This has got to be one of the saddest passages in all the scriptures. Luke chapter 22, verse 60. 
The Bible says Peter replied, again, to some of the people who are saying, you're one of those Jesus people, aren't you? Jesus followers. Peter replied in verse 60, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, what happened? The rooster If you're Peter, what are you thinking? Oh, no. In the other scriptures, we see that, that Peter was even cussing, saying he was so angry he wasn't a follower of Jesus. And here he speaks out, he shouts out, and then that rooster crows. And look at verse 61. Again, one of the saddest scriptures in all the Bible. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. This is interesting, isn't it? We say that the disciples had abandoned Jesus, and they had, and yet they were close enough that they could still have eye contact somehow. Somehow where Jesus was in trial, and I don't know if he had been beaten at this moment yet or not, he can still make eye contact with Peter. So not only does Peter hear the rooster crow, not only do the, those words sink in his head, but he sees the Lord after he denied him. It's one thing to break somebody's heart. It's another to break their heart face to face, isn't it? And that's where he is. And then the scripture says, Peter, he went outside and what did he do? He wept bitterly. In the, the moment the Lord needed me the most, I blew it. I abandoned him. I disowned him. I was cussing, saying I didn't even know him. And then I saw him. You ever blown it for the Lord? Hello? You ever had the Lord present you with a great opportunity and he was going to empower you to do this incredible thing and somehow yourself kicked in and you just messed it up big time? Yeah, put me in that recovery group, amen? Right? And this is why we want to talk about hope today and about new beginnings. I don't care where you've messed up, what you've done, at least nobody in this room has denied Jesus and then had to see him face to face. And Peter did, right? You guys know the story. It's just amazing of God's love for us. Let's look over in John 21, 15, and we'll make our way through this real quick here this morning. Do you love me? Do you love me? John 21, 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, and the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And the scripture says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, this is after Jesus' crucifixion. This is after the resurrection. What happens here, right? Where's Peter? Where's James and John at? 
they're back on the kayak, throwing the bitsy bug out there, and <laughs> right? They go to what they know. Is that what you guys do sometimes when you get in a hard spot? I know when I was a young person, when I was a teenager, you know where my favorite place was? When I was upset, when I was hurt, I'd go outside and I'd take this crazy basketball and I would shoot jump shots for hours and I'd talk to the Lord there because that's what I was familiar with. That's what I knew. That's what these guys are doing. They're going back to what they know. I don't know. And then what happens that night? <laughs> Who do they see walking along the shore there? And it's a very similar thing goes on. They're not catching anything, and the Lord calls out, and the next thing you know, they're catching, and what does Peter know? He's alive. Jesus is alive. And so he throws off his robe, he jumps in the water, he swims to the shore, he finds the Lord, and he's on the top of the mountain. Wouldn't you be, right? I messed up. I had messed it up. But look, he's alive. The Lord is alive. And we're going to be together. Oh, this is so wonderful. I love it. And then all the disciples start to gather around, and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Yeah. Oh, that felt good, didn't it? Feed my sheep. Okay, Lord, I'll be about your business. We'll do this. Just a little bit later. Peter, do you love me? Well, yeah, I didn't. You already asked me that question. Yeah, I love you, Lord. It's all good. Yeah. Let's go, I'm ready. Do great things. Feed my sheep. Then a little bit later, the Lord said, Peter, do you love me? Peter was hurt. He put it together really quick, didn't he? Right? Three times he said, no, I don't know that guy. He's not mine. He's not my king. He's not my Lord. He's, I don't know him at all. And Jesus wanted him to confess it out loud again. Peter, do you love me? Have you made a mess of things sometimes? Hear the Lord calling out to you today. Robert, do you love me? Megan, do you love me? Melissa, do you love me? Todd, do you love me? The Lord asks you that, what do you say? Well, Lord, you know I do. <laughs> Feed my sheep. Right? He's making Peter confess that truth out loud to reassure him that their relationship is good, that their redemption is whole, and that God has a great purpose in his life. I would encourage you, even today or in your prayer time tomorrow, to speak it out loud and say, Lord, I love you. You know I love you. Guide me so that I can be used of you. Now, here's the thing. Did the Lord do anything with Peter after that? This from Kenneth B. Quick. He says, the only omnicompetent. Don't you love that word? Omnicompetent. All competent. <laughs> the only all competent executive chose Simon Peter, a man of great strengths and glaring weaknesses, to lead the fledgling church. Peter, the biggest mess up of all, is going to be incredible. Isn't it how God works, right? Just go through Hebrews 11. Over and over again, God takes the mess and he makes something amazing. God can do amazing things with you and I still if we will simply do this, if we will follow him. That's the message today. Follow him. 
through this whole crazy season, follow him. Have you guys messed up even after you receive Christ? God is not finished with you. Restate your love for him, your willingness to serve, confess your sin, and God will use you for his kingdom. Aren't you glad you serve such a forgiving Lord? Look down at verse 18. Follow me, we see. Verse 18, very truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And he said to him, what did he say? Follow me. Right? Here the Lord is confessing and prophesying Peter's future. Is it going to be a pretty earthly future? There's going to be some amazing ups, right? Peter's going to preach an, a revival that 3,000 people will come to Christ. I'm going to tell you, Paul or I would love to be on a day where we preached and 3,000 people got saved. Wouldn't that be awesome? But Peter's also going to be in the distance and be around when he hears of the church being persecuted. And it's going to come to the place. And what church history tells us is that Peter was crucified like Jesus was, except that he was crucified upside down. Some of history says that Peter even asked for that because he wanted to humble himself and say, I shouldn't be crucified the same way that the Lord Jesus was. If you knew that your destiny was to be led where you didn't want to go and to die a death you didn't want to die, could you still follow Jesus? What Peter had to learn, what we have to learn is we're not in control what we think we are, don't we? This week has been another good reminder for me that I'm not in control. We have planned, we have organized, we have tried to do all these things to take care of Wendy's family, and then uh, Nana breaks her shoulder of all things, right? And it's like, okay, the Lord's reminded me I'm not in control. I better trust him and I better follow him. Again, the road may not be easy, but if we lay it in his hands, it will glorify the Lord. It will fill us with great joy. If you knew that you would have to die for Christ, would you still follow very simply, I'd word it this way. This is our bottom line to be in God's will. We must obediently follow our Lord's commands wherever, wherever it leads us. Are you holding back something from God today? That's my question. Does God have everything? If you've really been there, you know what that ask is, don't you, right? Does God have your house? Well, I was really wanting to do. <laughs> Does God have your vehicles? Well, I'd really like to. Does God have your children? Ask that to Michael today when his daughter's getting pushed over to Egypt. <laughs> Does God have all of you? Does he have your time? Remember, Peter, when he first met Jesus, he saw the miracle and he said, follow me. And Peter, he took off and he followed Jesus. It's a little different now, isn't it, right? Peter, you're going to be led where you don't want to go. You're going to die a death that you don't want to die. But what I'm asking you is the same thing I asked you the first day we met, is that you need to follow me. I want it all. And that's what the Lord wants of us, doesn't he? Amen. Wow. 
Well, Peter pulls a little trick like sometimes maybe we do. Look down at verse 20. What about him? I'm sure this would have been me. <laughs> verse 20, Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Who's that? John the Beloved, the author of this book, right? He saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who he leaned back against Jesus at the supper and it said, Lord, who's going to betray you? Verse 21, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Can you be there and hear it? What about him? Verse 22, Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must do what? You must follow me. Verse 23, because of this, a rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. Again, this is John writing about himself. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain until I alive until I return, what is that to you? So Peter gets a little distracted, amen? The Lord has asked this big thing of him. Peter, he's confessed his love for the Lord. He's got a plan for him. It may not be pretty. It sounds like it's going to be a pretty hard end, but he's just saying, Peter, follow me. And so what does Peter do? Does he say, here I am, Lord, send me? Eventually he does. But in this moment, what does he say? What about Diane? Right? What, what's she going to do? How about getting onto her for a little bit? Why don't you tell about her, end of her life? Why don't you make sure that she's doing what's right? And, and, then, and then you can talk to me, right? You've been there before? I mean, we could go, I just feel like I should do everybody's name this morning, but we don't have time for that, right? But when you think about, look, think about them, what about so-and-so? Why not them? What are you going to do with them? And I love what Jesus says to him. Don't, that's not your job. What is that to you? You must do what? Follow me. Can I just bear into you and to me this morning? Yes, you need to care for your brothers and sisters. And yes, if they stray a little bit, you want to help encourage them back on the path. But what's the point this morning? Who are you supposed to be taking care of spiritually? Yourself. You follow Jesus. You don't worry about everybody else and all their troubles and all their sins and all their mistakes and all their failures and what they should be wearing, how they should be dressing, where they should be showing up, what they should be about. You follow me is what Jesus says. Lord, help us right today. Lord, help me follow you and not worry about everybody else. That's not easy, is it, right? And yet, that is called. Again, this morning, you don't need to make your neighbor's business your first priority. You will need to exhort and encourage your brother and sister at times. But first, you must follow Jesus. And then finally, verse 24, what a wonderful Savior. As we think of Advent, we think of hope. Look in verse 24. This is the disciple, John speaking as he's writing here. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his, Jesus' testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written, right? John gave us just a glimpse of Jesus' wonderful words. He did so many good things, and he says, as a matter of fact, if I could try to write them all down, I don't think the world could hold all of the things that Jesus did. Could you imagine John and Peter's life? 
right? For three years, they experienced what nobody else would ever know to be in the inner circle there with Jesus. And so this is our reminder today. We serve a loving, forgiving, and an all-wise Savior. Follow him because he is our hope. All right, last illustration this morning from Jen Wilkin. She writes, when my parents entered their latter years, they took up a new hobby. They kept chickens. Anybody here ever had chickens? Nobody here had? I'm surprised. Yeah, Melissa, I thought I figured somebody had chickens at one point or another. At the height of their enthusiasm, they tended 21 chickens in a hen house. 20 chickens, that is, and one noisy rooster. Roosters crow and crow, and they crow every morning. They crow all morning. They crow to announce another day, but they continue crowing as long as it is called today. <laughs> Roosters make a notable appearance in the Bible. All four Gospels record Peter's famous three-time betrayal of Jesus, punctuated by the crowing of a rooster, just as Jesus prophesied. All three Gospels say Peter wept bitterly at the sound. All three synoptics. Our senses are powerful memory Holders. Think about this for a minute. Smells and tastes and sounds attach themselves to our memories. I imagine what kind of memory the rooster's crow evoked for Peter. Every dawn after that first terrible morning of betrayal, the proclamation of his bitter guilt would have rung afresh in his ears. Carried in the crowing would have been the memory of his colossal failure. Whatever his relationship had been with Jesus, whatever his calling, it appears to be finished. I'm going out to fish, he announces to his companions. They fish all night and catch nothing, but as day is breaking, a sound ripples across the water. A voice, the announcement of a miracle. Try the other side of the boat, and then recognition dawns. As the others haul in fish as fast as they can, Peter hurls himself into the sea and thrashes toward the shore. There sits Jesus serving up a fresh breakfast, restoration and forgiveness. It is finished. I wonder, as the two conversed, could Peter hear in the surrounding countryside the sound of roosters? I can't say. But I suspect that every morning thereafter, Peter affixed a new memory to that clarion call, the sound of homecoming. Fear not, glad tidings. Each day, the sound that had announced new morning guilt now spoke a better world. All hail the rooster, that fine-feathered herald of forgiveness, that megaphone of new morning mercies. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how God can take the worst memory that is full of guilt and bitterness and sorrow and shame, and he can make it a reminder of redemption, forgiveness, hope, and a future. Are you in need of a new beginning? If you've messed up, that's okay. You're in good company. But just like the call to Peter, the call to us today is to hear the Lord's voice and to follow him. Let's stand this morning.
Again, we try to share quite a bit with each other here and it is good. <clears throat> but obviously we don't know all of your hurts and your shames and your mess ups, but the Lord does. And again, just over and over, he takes the messed up person and he does the miraculous with them. And so as we think of hope during this Christmas season, I want that to be for you. Maybe there's somebody in your life and you feel like that you're kind of done with them and you've tried to pray for them, you've tried to witness to them, you've tried to love them, and they just aren't getting it. And you'd like to just like quit it and give up on it. And the Lord reminds you today, don't give up hope on them. Today, maybe it's more personal than that. Maybe it's you and you've messed up and you've given up on something that you're like, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. I don't have the, the right standing with God to do that. And God is speaking to your heart today. And he's telling you to follow 